really happy that we have a chance to talk about the work of Rene Menil in this course and as part of an ongoing discussion of uh, Caribbean critical theory, because I think not only is he one of the more uh, underappreciated, one of the most underappreciated theorists of, of his era, but also uh, contributes so much to the nuanced differences between uh, Caribbean surrealism, negritude, what we'll see as an existential movement and related movements. In many ways, I think Menil is situated between all of these major movements and really has his own singular sort of voice. Um, he's born in 1907, died in 2004. So, you know, if we just think about his, his age and the years of his life, he's someone who was a full adult by the time of World War II and all of the decisive kinds of experiences that the Second World War had for colonized people, namely, as we've, we've discussed previously, uh, the recognition of the finitude and vulnerability of France, that it wasn't this powerful colony that, that uh, had occupied the imagination of Francophone Caribbeans, but of colonized people more broadly. So he really is a full adult. You know, by the end of, of World War II, he would have been in his late 30s. Um, he was one of the founders of the journal Tropique. So he, in that way, um, is, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, the founding members of the Caribbean critical theoretical tradition. And uh, most of what we read uh, in, uh, for this little segment, most of the, the short pieces of his are actually from Tropique and from around 1941 to 1943. So there are a few things that I want to sort of take note of or, or underscore here which is that there, on page 108, he makes this really interesting remark. And it's a remark that really stands out for me, where he says that, you know, part of what the West Indian writer has to address is this, uh, this uh, I don't know what you would call it, this phenomenon or this, this, this experience of arriving, as he says, arriving empty-handed at the court of culture. And so this idea of being empty-handed at the court of culture it really drives his, his theoretical uh, work. And it drives his theoretical work, I think, in this way, that it is, uh, for him, both the impulse to create a Caribbean culture, right, to create some sense of you know, what West Indian writing and what West Indian art can be outside of the colonial horizon. Um, and also in doing that, how uh, West Indian cultural production can be in what he calls the court of culture, or also what Cesar had said at the end of Culture and Colonization as the world stage of, uh, of, of historical culture. That is lacking, I mean, by, by design, is lacking in the West Indies. That's the starting point for all of these pieces and indeed for his work uh, more broadly. I think what's interesting in this is to give away a good portion of his thought ahead of time, but it's, it's worth saying, I think, that you know one of the things that, that he innovates, that Menil uh, innovates in his work, is moving away from the two or three major movements in mid-century Caribbean thought. 
the surrealism of Suzanne Césaire and parts of M.A. Césaire's work, and it's certainly there in, in Menil's work too, but moves away from that, not away from it, but, but moves from a sort of single definition of his own work around surrealism, also making the same kind of distance from negritude Right, that we saw with M.A. Césaire, this emphasis on, on African civilization and the Africanness of, of diasporic cultures, and also moves away from the existentialism of Franz Fanon. In these essays, you know, Fanon has not written anything yet. Right, he's he's uh, you know a teenager at the time when when these pieces are being written for Tropique, but we can already see how Menil marks himself as different also from Fanon's existentialism. So if we're thinking about Menil in terms of the history of this mid-century uh, cluster of ideas, surrealism, negritude, existentialism, the way he splits the difference between these three, or even maybe we could say resolves them into a single vision, is this notion of Caribbeanness. Right. And so we'll be talking about Caribbeanness uh, across uh, parts of the semester, especially once we get to uh, Edouard Glissant, because Ed, for Edouard Glissant, Caribbeanness is, is his one of his centerpiece ideas. But it's a centerpiece idea that he gets from René Menil. And what happens in this notion of Caribbeanness, it's as much a, a, an expression of an existing cultural form as it is an imperative to create a cultural form. So it's an expression of an existing cultural form in that one of the things, a quiet sort of thesis across these Menil pieces is the notion that the Caribbean is distinctive and unlike anything else. And that's why he has these dismissals of sort of nostalgia for an old world, right? And in that he marks some distance that I think is really important from Suzanne Césaire. I mean, Suzanne Césaire's surrealism doesn't want to go the direction of M.A. Césaire's negritude and say, you know, what we need to do is animate our culture with Africanness. But she does say, you know, we, meaning Afro-Caribbeans, we yearn for the old world. We yearn for this lost land. How do we retrieve that lost land? How do, how do we satisfy that longing? And that's where she turns to the dancer, right, to the rhythms of music and says our longings can be satisfied there. For M.A. Césaire, it's not enough just to satisfy your longings with traces of the old world, right? You have to actually do, do a, a second phase of work, which is that embellishment of Africanness in diasporic culture. But for Menil, part of where his work starts as a sort of first position or first thesis is this idea that the Caribbean is already its, its own unique reality. There's that moment where he says, you know, we're part of the Americas, but we're between, we're set between the two Americas, meaning the United States and Latin America, right? North and South America. And that's just an interesting sort of geographic observation, but it's a geographic observation that is a metaphor or a visual uh, cue for a, a deeper uh, art aesthetic, artistic, cultural, political, social, and existential reality. And that existential reality goes by the name Caribbeanness. I think we see the roots of this notion of Caribbeanness in Césaire's, uh, Suzanne Césaire's emphasis on landscape and how landscape, land, nature, um, 
you know, all the evocations of flora, vegetation, of smell, of the sea, <coughs> that in all of those, we see Suzanne says are marking things that are distinctively Caribbean. And Rene Mignot sort of runs with that and takes it uh, to, to a different conclusion, but starts there as well. Because for, uh, for Menil, that in between the two Americas, North and South America, is important because it marks both that, you know, this is part of the new world, literally new because it's not an iteration of Africa, not an iteration of Europe. I mean, that's a constant he comes back to. We can't simply imitate the colonizer culture, right, and try to make it our own. So it's caught. So so emphasizing the newness of the new world is a way of saying while we may be caught between North and South America, that distinctiveness is both distinctive. So we can talk about Caribbeanness as different than North Americanness or South Americanness, but also the way all three of those North South America and it's between the Caribbean are detached in the newness of the new world from their origin points in Europe and in Africa. So instead, what you have is the Caribbean landscape, right? The body, the senses, the attunement in both the senses and the imagination to what he calls the marvelous. I love that idea of the marvelous. And the marvelous for him, and it, there's a lot of detail to get into and to think about, but I'll just say this much about it here, which is that the marvelous is is both both an expressive moment, right? That the marvelous is something that happens right in a what i would call a decolonized relation of the body and senses to the world but it's also a goal or an aspiration or an end that the purpose of art for menil is to achieve the marvelous that sense of ecstasy that sense of intense connection to body and place where the fantastical elements of the marvelous right take you out of but also connect you so deeply to that thing called body to that thing called nature to that phenomenon called nature so in that way it's important the way um to to note how menil understands art as having an inextricable relationship to the world art and world come together not as imitation like this is one of the things he's careful to distinguish it from art and world are not similar they're not connected in terms of imitation rather art and world are connected in that the intimacy between those two is what makes art art right what makes it important art and its importance is its ability to achieve something to take something into your hands as a culture that you can then present at, at what he calls the court of culture. The court of culture being that moment where, you know, you display yourself to others, right? That he means it in a court that way. You perform, you show, you display. But it can only be an authentic showing and displaying uh, if it comes from that intimacy between uh, the artist and the world. Now, how do you get that relationship between art and world, and why is it important? Well, why it is important, again, comes to this notion of Caribbeanness. That Caribbeanness, the Caribbean, and living in the Caribbean, and being a, a descendant of, of Afro-Caribbeans in this place, is a unique reality. 
It's a unique landscape. It's a unique historical experience. And so that sense of the relationship between uh, art and world is important because it gives, maybe we could call it authenticity. Uh, maybe we could call it uh, visceral truths of the art because it is distinctively Caribbean and not simply human art that could be from anywhere in the world. So that relationship of art and world is about establishing distinctiveness and depth. But in order to have that relationship to the world, there also has to be antecedent work uh, that we could call, I mean, this is not yet his, his uh, terminology, <clears throat> that we could call decolonial work, right? That it has to be a decolonized relationship to nature. It can't be mediated or contingent upon uh, colonialism. And that relationship between colonialism and, and the imagination is a difficult one because on the one hand, that relationship between uh, colonialism and art at, at the level of, of uh, imitation uh, can be about, about the imitation of the colonizer's art forms to try to be French. Right? Obviously, that's built into um, the structure of alienation that comes with colonialism, that colonialism is designed to make this an alienating experience, period. But it also means that poetry cannot, or art and poetry, I mean, he sort of runs them together, cannot be what he calls heteronomic, right? That the heteronomy of po poetry and art is still a problem for him because it is, and this is his phrase from 181, it's determined by its alien origin. Another way of putting that is to say that that's an expression of reactive culture and reactive cultural formation. Reactive culture and reactive cultural formation takes place in that moment where you understand, and this is from the essay on colonial exoticism, um, that rather than uh, affirming colonial exoticism, you deny it and confront it in order to strike out into your own authenticity. On the one hand, that sounds defiant, maybe, and maybe sounds uh, like an innovation that articulates the uniqueness and singularity of Caribbean culture. But Menil is insistent that that heteronomic gesture is actually no freer from colonialism than imitation. It just simply has a different expressive attitude or affect. That when you imitate the colonial, right, it's clear that you have, in creating the, the, the colonial, it's clear that, that you are dependent upon them. They've set the agenda for, for what expression is, what the proper use of language is, what a, what a poem is, what art is, what a novel is, and so forth. The reactive, that revolutionary refusal of, um, although technically it's not refusal, so rejection or resistance to um, colonial reach, is itself still dependent? And we know this, and it's a very difficult truth to stomach sometimes, but we know this in all aspects of our lives. We know that experience where we think we're being free because we are being defiant, but then later come to understand that what we thought was our defiance making us free was in fact the way that those we are defying still live within us. 
That is, when you reject colonial exoticism in a heteronomic gesture, you are saying that the colonizer is inside me and I'm going to defy myself, right? Or defy the colonizer from within myself where I also find the colonizer and come up with something that opposes that. But all oppositions are dependent upon, its, uh, upon their other. You know, whether it's just a simple thing about I put my hand in water, I only know that this is cold, warm, or hot if I know the opposite of those, right? I only know it's cold if I know what hot water feels like. I only know it's hot water if I know what cold water feels like. The two, when they're opposed, that heteronor uh, 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 heteronomic uh, relationship of, op of opposition and resistance, presupposes the presence of the things you think you are opposing again this comes back to the question of of caribbeanness because what caribbeanness as an ideal but also as an existing reality this i think the the nuance there is to understand them both at the same time that caribbeanness as a, as a reality but also as an aspiration is to get outside of that heteronomic uh, mode of thinking where you're either reactive or imitative, right? And can instead start to think in a decolonized mode. That's what decolonial means for, for Menil. Decolonial for Menil means exactly that, that you no longer think about yourself, your art, and your poetry. You no longer think of your cultural production in any kind of relation to the colonizer whether it's a relation of imitation or resistance that at some level those are the same at many levels they're not the same imitation has a kind of aesthetic sycophancy right of trying to please the colonizer that's so different than defying the colonizer and resisting their reach but the level of contingency and dependency is the same in each case because in each case, it's understood that to be who you are and to express your world has to run through the colonizer in some way, rather through imitation or through the push away and attack and violence to the norm that resistance implies. So, <clears throat> so for me, this is in, uh, you know really where. Um, I locate uh, Menil's uh, unique contribution to our to our thinking in Caribbean critical theory, innovating this notion of Caribbeanness in order to articulate early on. So this is before we had this language in our vocabulary, critical vocabulary, already articulating a sense of decolonization. That decolonizing the imagination is about getting rid again of their heteronomic structure of how we imagine art and art production as either imitative or resistance. Now, why this is important, why Caribbeanness is important, is because it's where the truest experience of liberty, right, or freedom is going to come from. He says that, um, this is from page 111, he makes a direct identification or uh, uh, a link between art and freedom. Where he's saying in that essay and in, in, in a number of passages on page 111 that the, the natural 
relationship between art and the world, right? It's int it, the intimacy of art and world in relation to each other is liberty. It is freedom. That we experience our freedom not in our detachment from the world, okay? Not in our detachment from the world, but through that that intimacy. I don't want to quite say immersion, although maybe it is immersion, but it's enough to just say the intimacy, because I think intimacy has that sense of non-imitation, right? Because uh, intimacy is not imitation, but it's also not uh, reactivity or resistance. That intimacy of of world and and self and world and art is where freedom lives. So. Caribbeanness ends up then clearing the space for art to be an experience of freedom. Because in some ways, resistance is not freedom for Menil, any more than imitation of the colonizer is freedom for Menil. In both cases, again, we are bound by the colonizer. And what comes out of this, and I really love this part, and it's what I'll sort of conclude on here, not sort of, what I will conclude on here, is he... Um, and this is around page 115, 116, where he talks, and this is where he actually defines his own, uh, what he means by his own notion of surrealism, where he talks about two, um, two related human phenomena, right? Reality, which he identifies with being, which for him is a point of departure. We begin with reality, but we're not limited by reality. And what comes along with reality is the imaginary, we could call it the imagination. He calls it the imaginary and the imagination both, which is this mode of becoming. And the difference between becoming and being is absolutely crucial. It's a theoretical distinction of the highest importance. Being has a fixity to it. That's why, you know, when we say that something is realistic or non-realistic, not realistic, um, you know, somebody has something they want to do and you say that's not realistic or that is realistic. That's to say that this is the natural order of things and we are bound by them. That's the that's what we mean when we say reality. A reality check is you may have your big ideas, but this is how things really are. This is the order of the world. But the imaginary or the imagination is exactly the emancipation from from the bonds of reality that sets in motion because in becoming we're not bound by the finality of being but instead are are thrown into the openness of 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 time of meaning making of world making of of the production of feeling uh, and knowledge that come from art that come from poetry so he says that the imaginary which is poetry accesses this notion of becoming and in accessing this notion of becoming, you get above or outside reality or below or surpass reality. That the poem drawing from the imagination or the imaginary alters reality such that we enter this, this phase of becoming rather than being is for him the sur reality, right? The sur part of real, surreal, is to go beyond the real in some uh, basic and fundamental and profound way. That for me is exactly where his his uh, surrealism 
not only overlaps, I mean, it certainly here overlaps with Suzanne Césaire, but is able to bring to it a, d- a different kind of vocabulary around Caribbeanness and the necessary decolonial work that makes Caribbeanness visible to us for the first time. That decolonial work that makes Caribbeanness as such visible to us for the first time is also then what makes surreal possible to go beyond reality and the imaginary of the poem. So as a sort of concluding remark, I would say this, there's an interesting relationship we can start to, to, to formulate uh, between Suzanne Césaire and René Menil, where Suzanne Césaire is working at this sort of edge of the horizon of, of creating a new, a new world um, through art and the imagination. And René Menil meets her there in that work but has done, goes back and does some of the foundation pieces, some of the quiet labor of, of, of theorizing how we need to be and how we need to think in order for the kinds of things that Suzanne Césaire is doing to be possible. That's the decolonial. That's moving away from heteronomic poetry and also imitative poetry to start to think about being Caribbean, being Afro-Caribbean less as a reaction against empire or a pale imitation of empire and instead something outside empire. Empire may be reality, but part of the marvelous, part of poetry and the poetic word is its capacity to surmount reality with the imagination and in that sense become, in Menil's phrase, and Menil's use of the term surreal.